0: God's Word is open to the book of Luke, please. The Gospel of Luke, the first chapter. I'm just curious, have you ever had one of those days? You know I'm talking about just one of those days. I read about a fellow this uh, past week who had one. It seems this guy's apartment was flooded from a broken pipe in the upstairs apartment. And so his manager said to go and rent a water vacuum. But he couldn't because he went out and his car had a flat tire. Uh, He changed it and went inside, again, to phone a friend, but he got an electric shock from the phone. That startled him so much, he unintentionally ripped the phone off the wall. During that time, the water that was leaking had damaged the door so much, the door jammed, so he had to get a neighbor to come and kick the door down in order for him to get out. While all that was going on, somebody stole his car. (laughs) But the car was low on gas, so the car ran out of gas, and he found the car a few blocks away and had to push it to a gas station to fill up a tank. When he got back home, when he got back home, he discovered that four of his canaries had been crushed to death by falling plaster in his apartment. After slipping on the wet carpet, he... Badly injured his tailbone. And the guy began to wonder if God wanted him dead, but kept missing. He had one of those days. Now, your day may not be as bad as that, or it might be worse. But, you know, sometimes it's not just one of those days. Sometimes it's a bad week. Sometimes it's a bad month. Sometimes it's a dark cloud that hangs over you all year. Sometimes a dark cloud that hangs over you for years. If you were with us last week, you may remember that we are visiting some of the homes that helped make up that first Christmas so long ago. And today we're going to visit a home that had a dark cloud that hung over it. And it hung there for years. It was a cloud of sadness and a cloud of disappointment. And the story takes place during a large part of Luke chapter one. i ask you if you haven't yet to turn there. We're going to be visiting today the home of Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth. Now, Zacharias and Elizabeth, you may not think about them much when it comes to Christmas. Uh, you don't find them in your nativity set. You don't have the, the wise men and the shepherds and Zacchaeus and Elizabeth. But nevertheless, they play a role in the story. Now, last week, if you were here, remember we visited the home of a teenage girl named Mary. And while we were there, she received a visit from an angel The angel Gabriel, who announced that she was going to give birth to a child. And not just any child, the very Son of God. And so we left off last week at Luke chapter 1, verse 38. We're going to pick up today, right where we left off, at Luke chapter 1, verse 39. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 39, reading down through verse 45, it says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe in her womb leaped; It leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. If you'll drop down to verse 56, we find these words in this detail. Verse 56. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. For three months... of her pregnancy with the Lord Jesus, Mary stayed with Elizabeth. The trip, they tell me, would have taken Mary somewhere between three or four days, and it would be somewhere between 50 and 70 miles between her home and that of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Now, I mentioned that a dark cloud hung over their home. But when you read the verses that we just read, we don't see that dark cloud. In fact, it seems that uh, it's all sunshine and The reason we don't see it there is because by the time we read those verses, the dark cloud has moved on. It's been removed. Uh, But if you back up just six months or so, uh, you can see that cloud, that dark cloud that I'm talking about. Long story short, Elizabeth was barren. Uh, They did not have a child. They so longed for a child, wanted a child, but could never have have a child. And that's hard for any couple. Any married couple that wants a child and cannot have a child is very, very difficult and very painful, uh, but especially so in their world. And to make matters worse, they were both on up in age, they were on up in years, and the childbearing days were behind them. And so they had just kind of come, I guess, to accept the fact that they were never going to have a child. In fact, you're still there in Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 7. It says, But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, And they were both well advanced in years. Then you drop down to verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And so very clear in the scripture, they were older. Childbearing years were behind them. But here's how the story went. Here's what happened. The verses earlier in the passage we did not read. I'll kind of summarize them for you. Zacharias got a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to burn incense in the temple. He was a temple priest. And as he's going in to burn the incense in the temple, something amazing happened. Now, you remember that when we get to Luke chapter 1 here, we get to the Gospels, we are at a point in history following what is known as the 400 silent years. Your Bibles divided up into two Testaments. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in between those two Testaments are 400 silent years. The Old Testament closes with the book of Malachi and then nothing. No new message from the Lord, no prophet, if you will, for 400 years. And some may have been wondering, well, is God absent? Is he uninterested? Is he uncaring? Absolutely not. At just the right time in history, he moves and puts into action the plan that's been in place in his heart and his mind even before the creation of the world. And that is the bringing of the Messiah into the world that we might be saved. And so Zacharias is there in the temple and an angel of the Lord appears to him. And the angel, by the way, is Gabriel again. You can read all about this here in the earlier verses in Luke chapter 1. Well, Zacharias, if you remember the story, he struggles with this message that they're going to have a child, that they're going to be blessed with a child. Why? Because he's old and his wife is old and he makes no bones about that. And he knows at this point that it's kind of over. But the angel says, you're going to have a special son. Remember, that special son was none other than John the Baptist, who is the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. if you remember the story, because of this unbelief, the angel Gabriel says to Zacharias, you're not going to be able to speak until after John is born. And so you remember he was struck mute. In fact, you're still in Luke chapter 1, obviously. Look at verse 21. He's in the temple to burn incense, verse 21. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long at the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. And then do you remember last week while we were at Mary's house? what Gabriel said to Mary, it's there at verse 36. He said these words, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, they were cousins, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. And then we read today, remember, that Mary went and visited them, and how long did she stay you remember? Three months. Now, nine months. 6 plus 3, is that still 9? Even with the new math, is that still 9? So we assume that Mary stayed with Elizabeth until the birth of John the Baptist. And then we get back to today's passage. When she arrives at Elizabeth's home, something phenomenal happens. In fact, we've already read it once, but look back at verse 41 again. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, our world at large, many in our world believe that uh, a baby in a womb is not really a baby. It's just plasma or tissue or a mass. It's not really a human being. It doesn't have value. It's just there. It's just an option. It's just a choice. You can keep it or abort it or do whatever. But when I look at this and I read this and I know what the Bible teaches, here is a baby in the womb. And that baby leaps within the womb, not because he's restless, not because he had pizza for lunch, but because he heard the voice of the mother of the Messiah. And he's the one that God specially chosen, that is John the Baptist, to be the forerunner to point others to Jesus. And even within the womb, at just the sound of Jesus' mother's voice, he leaps in the womb. And there's joy and there's excitement even within the womb. And Elizabeth, it says, is filled with the Holy Spirit. And she pronounces a blessing upon Mary. And you know, these are words that, no doubt, really encouraged Mary greatly. Because imagine all that Mary's been through. I mean, she just received this message, verse 38. We end off her story uh, of the angelic visit. Verse 39, we're going to Elizabeth's home. She's there. She's maybe still processing. And she walks in... And Elizabeth is still with the Holy Spirit and says these words of blessing. Verse 42, she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. Mary, bless you for your faith. Bless you that you believe God. Bless you that you submitted to God. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. What Gabriel told you is going to happen. And she's encouraged. Now all this is pretty straightforward, I think. But I'd like to draw some lessons from Zacharias and Elizabeth's story, if I may. And there's three lessons. I thought about this and looked at this and prayed about it. Three lessons rose to the surface that I think will be helpful to us today and especially helpful to you if you're living right now under one of those dark clouds we talked about. And it's been one of those weeks or one of those months or one of those years. And so let me give you three lessons here from this story. First of all, we have this lesson. Godliness does not guarantee an easy life. Godliness does not guarantee an easy life. You know, people like Job's friends, they equate problems in your life with ungodliness and simple choices. In other words, if bad stuff happens to you, it's because you've been doing bad stuff. And that's just just cut and dry with them. But the truth of the matter is that's not always the case. We didn't read these verses yet, but if you're still there in Luke 1, right, because that's where we've been all day, if you go back to verse 5, we're introduced to Elizabeth. And, to Zacharias. and I want you to see what the Bible says about them. Now remember, they've had a dark cloud over them for years. Wanting a child, desperately wanting a child, but never got a child. Look at verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 5. Read down through verse 7. Luke 1, 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the vision of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. So here we have our introduction to them. Now I want you to see what it says about them in verse 6. And they were both righteous before God. Not just the priest, but his wife. They were both righteous before God. Notice what it says. Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They were not sinless, but they were godly people. Their life was marked with godliness. But there's such a contrast between verse 6 and verse 7. And the next word says, but. We just told they're godly people. But, verse 7, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. What a contrast between verse 6 and 7. They're godly, verse 6, but they're childless. Verse 7. But beloved, God was not punishing them. It wasn't because of something they had done. God had a better plan for their life. And while it's not always God's plan to bless a childless couple with a child, it's always true that God's plan is best. And it's always true that God's plan is perfect. Now, I imagine that Zacharias and Elizabeth they had shed many tears over the fact that they had never had a little one welcomed into their family. I can imagine many, many a night, maybe she had cried herself to sleep, thinking about if I just had a little baby to hold, to love, to sing to, to raise for Jehovah, but she never had that. I imagine Zacharias went about his duties. He maybe would think about if I just had a little son to bring along with me to to show him the way and point him to Jehovah. But did you notice, beloved? Did you notice, beloved, that even though that dark cloud had hung over them for many, many years, they didn't lose their faith, they didn't turn on God, they didn't give up living for God, they didn't curse God's name, he didn't quit in disgust and say, I'm not going to be a priest anymore. Nothing of the sort. Instead they went on living a godly life for Jehovah. They were not perfect, but they were godly. And listen, if you're going to live a life of faith, if you're going to serve the Lord Jesus, if you're going to live for the Lord, you've got to settle in your heart this truth once and forevermore. Settle this in your heart. I may not always understand, but I know He does, and I'm going to trust Him anyway. I may not always understand. In fact, there's a lot I don't understand. There's a lot of questions I still have. A lot of answers I've never received. But I know that God is good. I know that He's perfect. I know that He's just. I know that His plan is best. So I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to say hallelujah anyway. I'm going to praise Him anyway. Because godliness does not guarantee an easy life. In fact, we're finding out more and more in our recent studies that the opposite is true. Godliness often equals a harder life. Because you're swimming upstream. So that's lesson number one. I've got to hurry. Lesson number two. Simple. Keep praying. Keep praying. When Gabriel speaks to Zacharias, he says something that you're reading through chapter one, which is a long chapter, mind you. You might read it quickly and not fully grasp or fully process what he's saying. Look at verse 13 there in Luke 1. Remember, Zacharias is burning incense in the temple. Gabriel appears, verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Notice the next words. For your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. Your prayer is heard. No doubt, Zacharias had prayed for years for a son Prayed for years that God would open the womb of his wife. And it seemed that his prayer was just ignored or at least his request was denied. I'll be honest, I think Zacharias had given up on praying that prayer by the time Gabriel appears to him. Why? Because childbearing years are behind him. And I think he'd given up praying about that. But God, listen, God had not forgotten his prayers. God hadn't forgotten the desire of his heart. And you know, sometimes the answer to our prayer is not no. The answer is wait. And, and can I just be honest with you, even from personal experience, sometimes that's a harder answer to deal with. Now we want one answer, yes, right away. Sometimes God does that, and then sometimes the answer is no, and we process that. It might be hard. But we know God knows what he's doing. But then the answer is sometimes wait. And Zacharias didn't know that was the answer. He had already, I think, given up. The answer is no. But in reality, Gabriel says, well, the answer was not no, it was just wait. But now is the time. God has not forgotten. And when I read this story, it just screams to me, thee, keep praying. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep praying. Because the timing may not be right. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep crying out to Him. God is listening to you. And isn't that an unbelievable thought within itself? God is listening to you. He's listening to you. Keep praying. But one more lesson. And by the way, don't check out on me yet. Because is the most important lesson of all. Here it is. Getting what you want is great, but Jesus is better. Getting what you want is great, but Jesus is better. That's a great word for Christmas, isn't it? I don't know what you want for Christmas. I don't know what's on your wish list. I hope you get it. Getting what you want is great, but Jesus is better. We see that truth both in Zacharias' life and Elizabeth's life in their response. They wanted a child. And God was going to give them a son. John the Baptist. Think about John the Baptist. But both of them realized that Jesus was better. We see it in Elizabeth's response. Look again at verses 42 and 43. She spoke out with a loud voice and said this to Mary, over Mary, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But well, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? In other words, Elizabeth standing there, she's pregnant with a miracle baby herself. She was past the time of childbearing years, and yet God has blessed her. John the Baptist is growing within her womb. But she says, listen, that's nothing compared with the baby that you carry. I find in Elizabeth's life there's no jealousy There's no, I wish I was carrying Jesus instead of this baby. None of that. There's just pure joy and praise and humility. And by the way, she's speaking to her younger cousin when she says this. And what does she say to her younger cousins? uh, cousins? She says this, you're the mother of my Lord. The mother of my Lord. Why in the world would God bless me to send? I know you're my younger cousin, but you're the mother of my Lord. That you would come and visit me. Come within my home. John the Baptist is great, but Jesus is better. Elizabeth knew that. But you know what Zacharias did as well? After John the Baptist is born, and Zacharias is granted the privilege to speak again, he says some awesome things. You're still in Luke 1, right? This time drop down near the end. Look at verse 67. We'll start there. And I want you to see what John the Baptist says. Now remember, we're talking about this truth. Getting what you want is great, but Jesus is better. And they just brought into the world John the Baptist. A miracle baby. But look at what Zacharias says beginning at verse 67. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers. To remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham. To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, look at verse 76. And you, child, John, my son, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to do what? To prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation to His people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. In other words, He's so grateful that His child, His miracle baby, His miracle boy gets to point to the child, the Messiah. The Messiah the Lord Jesus. You know, when I think about Zacharias and Elizabeth, it'll be great one day to sit down in heaven, won't it? And just spend, I don't know, a couple thousand years maybe. There's no, there's no rush. And just hear the whole story. John, Elizabeth, tell us about all the details. What's it like to be with child of that age? And then, I don't know, maybe a hundred years or two goes by, we look up and John the Baptist is walking towards us. Hey, John! Let's talk for a while. And sit and listen to the stories of John the Baptist. What was it like waiting in that cell? What was it like when they called your name? What was it like to baptize But as good as that is, as great as that is, even greater is to know that for eternity we have the privilege of bowing at the feet of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Say, Worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and power and honor and praise. Worthy, worthy, worthy are you, O God. You see, beloved. Jesus is better. Remember this truth this Christmas season. Getting what you want is great, but Jesus is better. Let's pray. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Before I pray, I just want to ask you this question. Nobody looking around. Do you know Jesus today? I didn't say no about it. Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? You can. Today's the day to turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. In a moment we're going to pray and have a closing song. We'd love to help you more with that. But you can settle it right now. God's work on your heart. Just lift your heart in prayer. Say to him where you are, forgive me of my sin. I don't want my sin. I want you Come to my life and save me. Forgive me for my sin. If you've done that, don't keep that private. You're to share that to tell that good news that others can rejoice with you and help you to grow and then before we pray I want to ask one more thing maybe you're here today and say listen preacher I'm under that dark cloud in my own life and I want you to pray for me that I will trust the Lord I will obey him I will serve him and even though I don't understand all that's going on right now in my life, I want to honor him and I want to walk with him. So, would you remember me in prayer? Would you slip your hand up where you are if that's you? You're under a dark cloud and you want prayer that God might encourage you and help you during this time. You slip, okay, I see that one. All right, I see that one. And that one. I see that one. I see that one. And that one. And that, one, and that, one and that one. All right. Anybody else. Yeah. Father, I pray right now that you do that which only you can do. By your Spirit, work in hearts and lives as you are right this moment. I pray if anybody prays to receive Christ today that they'll quickly make it known. Tell somebody else. And then, Lord, for my brothers and sisters to say, yes, I'm laboring under a dark cloud right now, but I want to honor the Lord. I want to follow Him. I want to walk with Him. I pray for grace and strength and help and mercy in their life. The Lord, they'll be like Zacharias and Elizabeth, holy, walking in your commandments, blameless before you. Lord, help us to remember this tremendous truth that Jesus is better. May he be the center of our attention, our focus, and our life, especially during this Christmas season, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn, 175, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And the altar is open. If you need to come and pray today, if you receive Christ, we'd love to rejoice with you in that. Come and let me know. We'd love to give you some material to help you to grow and to talk with you about next steps. I'm not here to embarrass you, I'm here to do any of that. I just want to rejoice with you. You need encouragement. You need to be helping in your growth. Then maybe you don't want to come and pray today you come do that. The altar is open. They'd invite you to come. Want someone to pray with you? Let me know. Well, let's stand together while the altar is open. 175. O come, O come. Emmanuel, you come. Stand. <laughs>